Welcome to Sustainababble 126. Welcome yourself, Sustainababble 126, you cheeky little monkey. Now then, what are we going to be talking about this week? Let's not bugger about. Get on with it. We're going to be talking about... Oh, sorry, Earl, did I just put the chair down on your testicles? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yes, and thank you. Uh, you're checked in the post. Uh, that was me doing my alarmism impression. Ah, is that uh, what that was? Why did you do that then? Well, because there's been an awful lot of chatter about alarmism in the in the environment and the world going to pot. So that's what we're going to talk about. There are things to be alarmed about, faux show. Uh, but is it appropriate that we react with alarm or does that not work? Does that make things worse? So that's what we're going to talk about. And I'm slightly surprised that we haven't talked about it in any of the previous 125 episodes. We kind of have, but we haven't taken it on the nose. We're going to be taking it on the nose, ain't we all? Very nice. Very good. Um, So just the usual disclaimer before any of that nonsense. We do work for environmental charities, but these are very much our own views and the views of all the people whose views we are going to incant and call them our own views. Uh, So if you've got any beef with anything that you say, take it up with me or I'll, but not with anyone for whom we work. Yes? Yes. Uh, And if you do criticise us, before coming back to you, alarm myself with the fact. Alarm myself. No, no, I I, I got it. Let's get on with it. Alarm myself. Inhofe of the Week. This is the section named after a senator in America called Jim Inhofe. Still. Still a senator in America. I mean, like, come on, move over. Anyway, well, he's an absolute sort of speck of insignificant nonsense and horror uh, because he says climate change isn't real because there's still snow. And we name other Inhofs Inhof of the Week in commemoration of his all-round Inhoffery, don't we, all? We do. So who is the Inhof this week? Well, it's taken 126 episodes, Dave, but we finally got him. Uh, this is everyone's least favourite human be- being, your bet noir and mine. Oh, 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 is it uh, uh, David Cameron? Uh, no. Uh, no. Is it Nigel Farage? No. Is it Hitler? Worse than that. Worse than Hitler? Yeah. Who could it possibly be? Sir David Attenborough. What? Yep. Um, you, have you gone start staring no, crazy? No. You can't put Sir David Attenborough in Inhofe Corner. Yes, I can. You can't do that. I'm doing it. You can't do it. I've done it. Why have you done it? Because he's an Inhofe. He's not an Inhofe, though, is he? He is an Inhofe. He's a saint. <laughs> he's not. He has not been beatified. He is an Inhofe. And he's an Inhofe because he's got a new teleseries out called Dynasties. What, this one? No, that is gonna that is gonna age our 
<laughs> our listenership, isn't it? Uh, yes. Uh, there will be a lot of people who don't know what that is. Um, use the internet. Uh, no, not that one. Uh, this is a new one about the extinction of animals. We've talked about that, or the survival of animals, but inherently the distinction. Which is it? Extinction of them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Choose. Which of those things is it? Well, their fight for survival is, I suppose, how it's really framed. Very good. Um, and, I mean, it's been trailed. Uh, depending on when you listen to this podcast, you may have actually seen the first episode. Intense stories of their kind ever told. We join each family at a crucial moment in their lives when the future of their dynasty hangs in the balance. Um, But it's been trailed a lot, and in those trailings, David Attenborough has basically said, no, we're not going to bang on about how all the animals are dying and how it's all people's fault, because alarmism doesn't achieve anything. And um, specifically, he has said... These are not ecological programmes. They are not proselytising programmes. They are not alarmist programmes. What they are is a new form of wildlife filmmaking. We do have a problem. Every time the bell rings, do you say, remember, they're in danger? Or how often do you say this without becoming a real turn-off? Yeah, thank you, Arabella. Uh, Arabella is my nine-year-old niece, and better at saying the word proselytising. Yes. I am. Yes, I should think a monkfish is better at saying the word proselytising <laughs> than you are. I'm quite pleased with dog. Yes, and your definition of dog is? Not a cat. <laughs> uh, so, is he right? I mean, I, I contend, no. Is he right about what? Is he right that you can't scare people and be alarmist because that stops them doing anything? This is from the bloke. Sir David Attenborough, not you, who has like done more to affect a radical springing of the public into concern about plastic in the seas, cause a blue planet, than anyone else. I mean, that what was that if it wasn't alarmist? Like, look at all of this plastic in the gullet of a guppy. Like, look at this straw up the arsehole of a fish, right? That made people... <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> no, well, that's just, Exactly, you don't want to. <laughs> exactly. You don't want to see a straw up the arsehole of a fish, and so you don't have a straw anymore, and so there aren't straws anymore. That thing went out. No, we no, did no, episode... no. I don't mind there being straws, and I don't mind straws going up arseholes of fishes. I just don't Perfect. want to see it. Oh, right. I, I just literally don't want to see it. No, well, exactly. But like, and that was a year ago that program went out. Episode ninety nine, we talked about it. Ocean plastic. Since then, you you know, paper straws everywhere. And Michael Gove has done stuff. And go back and listen to loads of episodes talking about plastic. He did that through what was I contend a form of alarmism, and he put his great jowly face on the telly and said, "This is really bad," and stuff happened. So why is he now saying? Don't be alarmist. Don't well, that, get it. Well, I agree. That's kind of my point. That I, so I think he's, I think he's in Hoffy for two reasons. One, you I don't really think he's in Hoffy. Well, I don't know. I, we'll come on to that. But but I think there are two two accusations we could level at him here. One is the thing that you just said, which is that he, he has manifestly done alarmist program making, and it has been proven to have an enormous impact. I mean. <sighs> Maybe in 10 years' time, there'll be some social science studies that say, actually, the blue planet effect was overstated and it was coming anyway or something. But until that point, 
the Blue Planet effect is a real thing, right? You know, we talked about in episode 99, God, probably by February, no one will care and plastic will have disappeared on radar. The opposite has happened. You know, everyone is talking about it. Stuff is changing, more importantly. So saying to people, saying to his viewers in a televisual format, here is terrifying, terrifying stuff happening about things that you love. It's scary. Has, has an effect, right? So accusation one, he is wrong on his own terms. He has done it before. Accusation two, you can be alarmist. It works. Like he, he's, he's going on, you know, Arabella said it. How often do you say this without becoming a real turnoff? Well, surely the opposite is true. It's like politicians trying to get their message, 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 messages across. You need to keep saying this stuff again and again and again and again until it starts getting through. Uh, and I would contend that's sort of what happened with Blue Planet anyway. Blue Planet was mostly about look at all this amazing shit in the sea, like swimming things and flapping things and twisty things and, you know, blue stuff. And, you know... <laughs> I didn't know you were a marine biologist. <laughs> I know all of it. I know the blue stuff and the uh, other stuff, land stuff. Um, and people went, oh, wow, that's amazing, that is. Look at that. Look at that twisty eel that goes down and does that thing. And then he comes along and he goes, I don't want to freak you out or anything, but that stuff... It's a bit buggered, right? But it's only because he'd done thing one first, which is to kind of go, look at this, isn't it amazing? So David Attenborough would presumably say, look, basically what I'm doing this time, and what I did in Blue Planet, kind of, and what I've done all of them years before, my job is not really to freak people out. My job is to make people go, wow, I love that, and let other people freak out, right? So isn't he just doing a version of that? Again, Blue Planet was basically about this stuff is amazing, with a little bit of it's buggered chucked in. Don't know. I mean, how do you define it? But I think it had, it had a significant section which was devoted to. But look at all this horrible stuff in the sea as well. So not, not just these lovely species which we've just shown you in fifteen K, fourteen dimension, ultra HD, uh, is is wonderful. But I'm now telling you as a narrator that it's also in trouble. It went. But here, here are packets of Walker's crisps that you eat in your shops and throw away in your bins and other, are now other crisps are available yes and now are going down the gullet of that osprey that you just said you really liked and I'm telling you that osprey has just swum 10,000 gazillion miles swum flown 10,000 gazillion miles and I mean albatross <laughs> <laughs> Not Osprey. <laughs> anyway, the point is, it swam a lot, had flown a long way <laughs> to get some food to fly back to its chicks, and what it thought was food turns out to be your crisp packet. Now that a case in case in point, the bit of it you've remembered is the crisp packet, not anything about birds or how <laughs> no, they work, not the bird yeah. or its actions. The world appears to have a green tint to it, but there are also some dead insects in the foreground. But don't worry about that for now. Uh, yes, exactly. But but that is, I guess what's so profound about that is it is totally relatable to the viewer at home. Probably people were fiddling with those little cotton earbuds uh, that you were seeing coming out of the, the gizzards of, of um, seabirds whilst watching that programme. Like, you know, if, there is no better way to relate the issue to Western consumers. And and that was what I guess was more alarmist about it, because we know, you know, when we talked to Liz Bonnet, and I can't remember if she said this on air or off, but she said 
there have been plenty of wildlife programs um, where producers have had to clear the beach of all the plastic debris behind the presenter before they start filming because otherwise it doesn't look like the pristine environment they're trying to <laughs> they're trying to portray and blue planet 2 was the first time where they went no we're going to we're going to show that because this is reality so i yeah i think it was alarmist in 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 that sense i i guess i guess he's got a point though which is how do you do the equivalent for dead animals because what you don't have is a pile of dead animals Yes, um, I did enjoy the uh, the producer, the executive producer of Dynasties, who is a guy called Mike Gunton, with which one needs to be mm. careful, don't, who was explaining <laughs> about how, um, yeah, the problem is endangered species, the things that are mostly the problem for them is that they're having all their habitats hacked down and... Space is not as sexy as plastic. Which is true. <laughs> which is true. They do not make sex toys out of space. You mean... Physical space around us. Well, I, Mike Gunton does. Mike yeah. Gunton, Mike with a Gunton. G. Yes, space. Uh, the, la- the problem is a lack of space for all of these endangered species. That's, yeah, that's yeah. it. I hope one day in the not too distant future, you fulfil your heart's desire and get your end away. <laughs> So I'll tell you who has got their knickers in a knot about all this. Friend of the babble, George Mombayot, who we spoke to back in episode 97. Now, he's had his knickers in a knot about this for a long time. So, like, he's been banging on for ages before Blue Planet came along, basically saying, Oi, David Attenborough, go on, tell us why, you know, don't just clear the beach of debris, tell us all this stuff about why things are wrong. And he did a big tweet storm about this thing, saying, like, you know, I used to work at the BBC and the Natural History Unit, and I tried to get people, including Atterborough, tried to get them to portray like the reality of what they're seeing. Um, and actually going as far as saying good broad... is actually having a go. Good broadcasters, he said, can do this without turning people off. So he's getting proper narks. He's basically saying, you could do that if you want it, David Attenborough, and you don't have either the guts or the skills or both, which is taking your accusation of inhoffery and making it proper personal. I mean, you've only said he's equivalent to a senator who denies climate change and is totally over the hill and past it. So, um, you know, George Monbiot has raised it. Yeah, yeah. He really doesn't pull his punches. Uh, He has said, I find this intensely frustrating. For decades, Attenborough has created a false impression of the health of the living world and repeatedly failed to highlight the realities. Now he makes a doctrine of this failure. Blimey. Which is full on, isn't it? And I think the time has come to say, you're a brilliant broadcaster, Sir David, but by repeatedly failing to show us what is happening, you have betrayed the living world you love so much. Wow. Well, 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 what do you make of that then? Well, right, so here's the thing. I don't agree. Uh, You don't don't agree? agree. You've put them in Inhoff Corner, but you don't agree. I don't agree. I just, when he put it in those terms... Failed. Betrayed? I know. It's not right, is it? It doesn't fit... It's not right. And I think... Is it just because I like him and he's a cuddly old familiar important person but you only this is the thing you only like we we love that George Monbiot go back and listen to episode 97 we talked to George he's great right but the only reason that David Attenborough is who he is and is as loved as he is is because of the stuff he's done and the way he's done it like the idea that if he'd have done telly for the last 40 years and all it was was going everything is screwed that people would have watched it and loved it and had as much time for it Right, is it? 
Like, it's only because he hasn't done that stuff that his stuff is popular. And then when he, kind of almost at the very end of it with Blue Planet, goes, you know what? pissed off about it. It's not just a Blue Planet either. That other one, Blue Planet Earth, when at the end of that, he specifically came out and talked about climate change. And, he, yeah. you know, that had a sort of punch to it from him coming out and saying this stuff because he'd spent ages going, I fundamentally do this job and I love all these things. Aren't they brilliant? Aren't they beautiful? You can have them in your house too. Look, right? So that's his job. And it's, it makes me think of people who have a go at us, me and you. Not that I'm putting Wait, this... Who does that? Everyone. What? Yeah, everyone, they come out and they say, well, you know, uh, we haven't saved the planet yet. It's your fault, bloody environmental tree huggers. You haven't done a good enough job. You haven't persuaded us. It's your fault. You know, you haven't stopped me eating this otter burger. Uh, You haven't stopped (laughs) me doing donuts in my fast car outside. It's your fault. Don't blame me. It's your fault. Like, no, you haven't communicated to me properly. Exactly. Like, go back and listen to episode 90 when we talked to that Leo Barassi about climate apathy. And there's a bit in the middle of that when, like, we have a bit of a pop at him because he appears to be saying it's the fault of, like, sort of lefty tree huggery types that righty tree burnery types burn trees. <laughs> um, and we have a go at him and say, hang on a bloody minute. Like, that's not fair, is it? So, like, it's still a bit like, what's one person supposed to do? Like, people have got jobs. Like, Attenborough's job is to say, this stuff is lovely. Our job is to say, oi, tree huggers hug trees. George like, Mumbio's job is to say we're all absolutely screwed all of the time. Yeah, and as someone quite rightly points out in response to his Twitter diatribe about it, well, you haven't, that didn't work in either, Sunshine. So, like, I suggest, you know, and it's, it all seems a bit, like, unfair. Do you, know, do, you know, do you know what happened to me the other day? A really nice thing happened where my mate, who isn't usually nice, a bit like you, how, you know, you'd find it very difficult to pay me an actual compliment. Yes. In the same way, I find it very difficult to pay you an actual compliment. Yes, as evidence when you arrived here, in the, in the shape of a sentence, said a nice thing that you then retracted. Yeah, or turned into an insult. Insult, yeah. Yes. Sorry about that. Ish. Uh, but I have lots of friends like that because, you know, I'm weird. And uh, But this friend was, we were talking about meat consumption and stuff. We were out for dinner. I was ordering stuff that wasn't meaty. Uh, and they were too. And we got talking and they said, this friend of mine said, I have found it much more compelling that you, this is how you choose to live your life and you don't tell me how to live mine and that has that has made me think about my own consumption and choose to do a few things differently in a way that if you had banged on at me about it or in the way that people on social media do bang on at him about it, I would have been like, ah, screw you, even though I sort of know you're right. You know, completely accepting like the people are right when they're banging on, but he just doesn't like being banged on about. And that really, I don't know, I was, I was just, I suppose it's quite a selfish thing, but I was quite touched by the idea that just by trying to do some things a bit differently in my own consumption habits, that has, that has had an impact on other people. And, and maybe that is actually much more important than, you know, alarmism or not. Maybe it's just a question of we need to make all of these different things very normal.
Yeah, so that takes us very nicely to the meat of the issue. Which tofu. Tofu of the issue. Is- language matters, all as we're about to talk about. I get told off uh, by people like that, Fernando, what came under your episode 123 for saying things like, kill two birds with one stone. That's bad, apparently. Not enough room to swing a cat. That's bad as well, apparently. Uh, you've got to be careful with your language, also. Instead, I say, stroke two kittens with one hand, and that seems to work. I'll tell you off if you persistently interrupt the beginning of my sentences, which are at the beginning of sections with what we're going to talk about. Sorry. Okay? Right. Can I do Can I do this bit now? I don't know, can you? You may. May I do yes. this bit now? Yes. yes. Oh, my God. I just had a little window into what you were like as a toddler. Toddler? Not a toddler. A human. <laughs> I was just saying, I'm not a toddler now, and I'm like that now. <laughs> oh, God. Right. The tofu of the issue is... Does alarmism work? Is it counterproductive? Everybody listening to this podcast knows, because we bang on about it, and because facts, that the situation is objectively very, very bad. Mm. In terms of climate change, in terms of all the animals dying, in terms of lots of things. I've got my hand up. Am I allowed to interrupt you now? Yes. Right. I was at a thing earlier, uh, a worky eventy type thing, which was looking at... Do you remember back in episode one? You interrupted yourself. Yeah, this is fine. I'm allowed to do that. Oh. When we talked about planetary boundaries. I mean, don't otherwise listen to episode one. I choose one. not to remember but that. Like, the, but basically, people talk about climate change and they go, right, that's bad. And then they might also talk about biodiversity or the loss of all the animals and they go that's bad it's like seven other things you've got to worry about as well yeah and they're all really bad running out of potash bad um the ozone depletion thing bad although apparently that's getting better that's one of the better ones actually Uh, ocean acidification very bad busy oceans yeah very bad um blah 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 etc etc all the sort of nitrogen saturation all that loads of it right it's all bad um and we only really talk about the climate and the biodiversity bits of it so just to point out it's a lot badder than we normally talk about like if we talked about how bad everything was we never get anything done which is kind of what we concluded in this thing i was at right Good. Yes, that sounds right. Um, uh, well, I'm just saying that there's plenty to be alarmed about. I'm agreeing with you. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah. Well, evidently there is. And I guess the thing that makes me tip into, like, fear and and despair rather than just concern is when you have a sense that you can't do anything about that or yeah. that it's getting worse or it's accelerating in its getting worseness, right? And that is very much how a lot of people feel about climate change or the dead animals. Or getting old. And so the theory goes by Monbiot and other people that you have to say that. You have to communicate the absolute truth and severity and trend of the issue. Otherwise, you're somehow misleading people. And by having that truth... Lots of people or enough people will go, shit, shit, right, what can I do? Stop everything, I'll do, I'll do everything, but do they? Just a few safety things to keep in mind. First of all, look straight ahead when you ski. If you look down, you're going to fall, you're going to have a bad time. Also, be aware of skiers around you. If you run into another skier, your skis are going to cross, going to have a bad time. So where's the part where we have a good time? Another thing about alarmism. Ah, good. That's my alarm. Yes, noise. that's the re-recorded version of that, because I did some screaming first time, which I told him if I listened to it when I was on the street listening along, I'd think someone was coming up behind me with a weapon or something. So. Ah, I'm really alarmed. Ah. Um, another thing is what it is accompanied by, with. So if you go, 
Buy or whip. I don't know. If you go, this thing is is terrifying and really, really terrifying, and you should... Company buy something. Perfect. And you should be terrified. Oh, my God. And you should be terrified by this thing. This thing is terrifying. People, a lot of the time, go, right, well, what do you want me to do about it? Like, is there anything that can be done about it? So... And when you've got plastic up the arsehole of a fish, you can go, that. Don't put that. Don't use that thing. Yeah. That and thing is like the arsehole of the fish. Yeah. Like, you use those in your everyday life. Stop using those. Using it. People go, great, I can do that. Yeah. And not only that, but you can look at the bit of plastic, the straw in your hand or whatever, and you can go, God, I can really imagine that up the arsehole of a yeah. fish. And so you feel bad about it in a way that you can't I guess is what you're saying um, about like a bit of gas that comes out of a thing well, that you can't even see you know etc yes well I was gonna <coughs> I was gonna get on to that it's a slightly separate and related point to the thing I was making but a bloke on our Twitter feed somebody called Jonathan Church I cannot get rid of this frog in my throat <coughs> <laughs> but somebody on our, our Twitter feed, somebody called Jonathan Church, uh, made the point that probably alarmism works only in certain contexts, e.g. when accompanied by clear, credible and effective responses that individuals can make. And I think there's, there's, there's a lot to that. I will only say, though, that I think you can't, you can't just do the kind of small-scale responses that individuals can make. If you're saying, this is life on Earth at threat, like this is the extinction of loads of species, potentially us, like this is it, this is, this is what I want you to be alarmed about, you probably can't offer as your solution to that... Buy better bog roll. Exactly. Yeah. Or, you know, try to only use the the right sort of light bulb. You know, drive slightly less often. Like, I think even if people are inclined to believe your alarmism, that doesn't feel commensurate. You've, no. got, you've got to have something which is like, but you just told me that life on Earth is being wiped out. It surely can't be as simple as change my light bulbs. So I think if you do if you do offer that that kind of that solution, you need to couch it in terms of the bigger picture and say, well, yeah, what we actually need is some really, really fundamentally massive shit to change. And you can play an active part in that, and you can play a part by getting political, by telling your MPs what to do, or joining a political party. Go back and listen to episode 122 when I tell people what to do about it. Exactly. There are things that you can do, but but you're contributing to a bigger response, not that this response of turning off your light bulbs is in itself okay. The problem with climate change is not a lack of facts at all, right? (laughs) No. (laughs) Not a lack of facts. We got loads of facts. We got facts. What fact do you want? How bad is climate change, Oh, 
Uh, we, on our current trajectory, will have wiped out over 99% of coral reefs by sort of middle of the century. Good fact, Ol. Um, the problem is, all right, what do you want me to do about it? It's a lack of agency, and that's the problem, I think. And there's a difference, there's a category difference between plastic, where you can say, look, just stop doing that thing. Stop it. Stop doing that. Or like soil degradation. Degradation. There's another thing. Where like we're knackering up the soil, we're pumping it full of horrible fertilisers and stuff that's killing it and we're not treating it well. And we are pounding st- it up and it all blows away or runs into the sea and rivers and stuff, yeah. Right, all that, e.g. Uh, we could stop that and you could say to a farmer or a person with a garden, just do it differently and you can stop it. All right, I get it. Or you can buy something that actually is growing the right way. The climate change is not like that. And like... And, and with kind of most of these really knotty sort of things, like go back and listen to episode 115 where we talked about the number of people on the earth, right? What do you want me to do about that? It's difficult, you know? Like, and, and that's the thing what's affecting your, you know, your, your animals and your lions and tigers and bears that your man David Attenborough's banging on about it. The problem is what you do about it. So I think that actually... If you're going to be alarmist, be alarmist, get people scared, then immediately give them something to do about it that feels commensurate with the scale of the problem, right? Perhaps, therefore, the things you need to be alarmist about are things that are commensurate with what you can do about it. For example, don't just say, ah, the planet's going to die. We're all buggered. Therefore, change your bank account. Don't do that. Say something like uh, one of the biggest problems is that the financial sector is putting huge amounts of money into bad shit. Change your bank account. That way, you might get people going, oh, really? Oh, I'm scared about that. Um, uh, you know, you know, one of the biggest problems, politicians just don't care about this stuff. You know, they just did this vote and they didn't care about it. It's awful, isn't it? Vote for someone else. Yeah, Do that. I like that. One of, one of the biggest problems is that we've still got loads of gas power stations in the country and there isn't any money for renewables. So, like, politicians can do that. Like, they should do that. Like, you should be really angry about that. Also, um, I don't see any of... If I'm being honest, right, we've debated this with our chum who works in sort of communications. We should get her on one day. I don't see any evidence, if I am being totally honest, Ol, that being all fluffy about this stuff works either. Um, you know, the whole mm. kind of... Um, oh, look how lovely trees are. Here's some lovely trees. Oh, we're still chopping the sodding trees down. Look how lovely all this stuff is. We're still destroying that stuff. Like, you need a bit of, like David Attenborough did in Blue Planet, which is why I guess Monbiot's right, a little bit of, no, it is lovely, (laughs) but we're sodding it up. I I don't see the evidence. I I understand, like, people going, if you play into fear, that makes people clam up unless you give them something to do. That's long established in social science in general. For something like this, for something like environmental stuff, where some of it is just so complicated and kind of knotty, and agency is not obvious... I don't know if there's evidence. I just, I mean, it's, it's more that I don't think we know that. I think there's a current school of thought that says be fluffy and nice, as yeah. opposed to. Well, I've got two things to say about that. One is, uh, and Monbiot himself has, has said this climate people, climate campaigners, communicators have tried every different communication strategy they can think of over, you know, the last few decades or whatever is people are trying different things that's i think the mindset of people committed to environmentalism is you know tends more often than not towards 
the you know the gloomy end i do think that's true but but there has been every strategy tried so i guess you know it's it's legitimate to to have a go um but i think what there is my second point is that i think there is evidence to show that humans are very very good at adapting to shifting baselines yeah you can have that and like it What do you mean shifting baselines? Shifting baselines. So the new reality. See, for instance, Trump. Oh, what? You mean uh, stuff goes weird, then it gets normal, and then we forget it was ever weird? Yeah. yeah. Well, we accept it as a new normal. Yeah, so, normal. you know, unimaginable, but that racist, homophobic, sexist, orange, Islamophobic, orange, bellicose, bellend could become president of the United States, one of the oldest democracies in the free world. It was kind of weird that he never wasn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, he's President Trump. Yeah. That's what he is. Yeah. So my point is, if that's your strategy, look at all of this lovely stuff which we're at risk of losing or might even have gone. I think people quite quickly, I know I very quickly adapt to the idea that, yeah, you know, there used to be more birds around, but now there are less and... I'm going to embrace the ones that are left. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's not, it's not, I don't think it's a powerful strategy. I think it's just playing into the fact that we're very good at coping with the new reality. I think change doesn't happen. I think getting change to happen on climate change or other stuff is complicated. I don't think there's one way of doing it. I don't think it's like this is how you communicate on it, right? There's a whole bunch of people out there who are really motivated by shit being scary and they're the people that have been motivated by this for ages and they're the people probably most sodding likely to badger their MP about it or go and do something or get some change to happen right and change things in the here and now a whole bunch of other people as we talked about with Leo back in episode 90 like aren't scared by it they get it but they're not scared by it those people need talking to in a particular way right but like some people react really well to alarmism and it might be that we don't have to persuade sodding everyone of how bad this is because we haven't got time for that and not everyone's going to get it we just need to persuade enough of the right people to put enough pressure on the right people at the right time to do the right sort of thing to buy us the time and maybe actually we just need to focus on well okay let's shit people the hell up but then give them something (laughs) to do about it and just like that might be enough as well as doing other and like we can't do it all no individual can do it all david attenborough can't do it all you can't do it all george monbiot can't do it all we all need to just do the things we can do, innit? I don't know. Like, stop fighting amongst ourselves and just do the stuff you can do with the people who listen to you, innit? Yes, it does feel... Well, amen to that. Preach uh, and other religious conversations. Uh, I, it does feel a bit odd that all of these people who I know, when you sit down, violently agree about everything, share all of the values of love of the natural world and are desperate, desperate for stuff to happen... Um, feels odd that that we're all fighting, and, and that seems like the wrong fight to have. So that is just about it for another episode of Babble. 126 of the buggers in the can. Yes, indeed, sir. Thank you very much, Joel, for babbling with me. Thank you to everyone who engaged with our debate about this on our Facebook page. Still there, chuck in, see what you think. Um, and on Twitter, thank you to Arabella for so nobly reading out the Attenborough Babble. Um, we're so, so much trouble for that. And thank you to Dickie Moore for the music and to Arthur Stovall for the logos. What adorns us and our merch, what you can get on our website, which is at wobblywobblywobbly.sustainababble.fish. And breathe, Dave. Yes. Okay. If you would like to drop us a line, say that we're wrong about alarmism or anything else, uh, you can do so by emailing hello at sustainababble.fish 
or you can tweet us at the Babble Wagon, or just find us on Facebook by searching Sustainable. And you can bung us some cash, as Sophia has done. Thank you, Sophia, for being our latest Woo! cash bungerer. Um, if you like the Babble and what Ooh. do, Ooh, my thing's falling off. I'm well, just going to put my thing back on while I. That's timely. If you bung us a bit more cash, we can buy a pop shield that doesn't disintegrate whenever Dave breathes. www.patreon.com/slash <laughs> <laughs> uh, sustainababble. And if you like what you hear, Go to iTunes, bung us a review. The more score it gets, the better Babble Happy is. Uh, right, <laughs> I'm off to tell people what's going on. Uh, what are you going to do? Oh, I'm going to bury my head in the sand like an ostrich, like I do on every other matter. Splendid news. Right, bye! Bye! You'd, you'd listen to that and you'd give it credit. I answered that question truthfully when I was at the doctor the other day. What? How much do you drink? Was this for having your um put back in its hurt? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to answer that.